Hi, this is Billy Briscoe from the Briscoe Group, a minority-owned firm founded right here in Houston. Stuck in a business dispute, injured at work, a bad auto accident. We're standing by day and night ready to fight for you. Put the law on your side with Houston's top legal team. Schedule a free consultation at thebriscoelawfirm.com. Call us at 713-752-2600. Put the law on your side with Houston's top legal team. Because every client matters. Every area of life, every sphere of life has its favorites. There are greats in every sphere of life. Nobody was greater than Aretha Franklin. Uh, nobody could do it better on the basketball court than Michael Jordan. Tiger Woods, when he was on his game, Everybody knew they were playing for second because he was the greatest in his sphere. We preachers have a greatest in our sphere uh, and we have him in our midst tonight. Uh, he's one of my favorite preachers. He's one of my favorite preachers to hear preach. I, I like watching him preach. I like listening to him. I like how he walks up to the podium to preach. Uh, everything about him says preacher. There are some preachers who preach good, but they're not good preachers. And then there are some good preachers who don't preach good. Well, this preacher is a good preacher, and he preaches good. And I love to hear him preach, and I'm grateful that he has consented again to come and grace our campus with his presence. Dr. F.D. Sampson, Sr., hear ye him. I woke up this morning with my mind washed oh, on Jesus. I woke up this morning with my mind washed oh,
To my pastor, the Reverend Franklin Delano Sampson, Jr., ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to the uh, official staff and the members and visitors of the Lily Grove Missionary Baptist Church. Good evening. I am very honored and humbled to have been invited by this hero of preachers. You know he's widely read. And he has a grand vocabulary. <laughs> and when you have a grand vocabulary, you can make up stuff. <laughs> so much so that others may not know the difference. <laughs> so I want to thank him for what he made up tonight. <laughs> I dare not put any lengthy thought into that, lest I be exalted above measure. You understand? You can tell when people are friends, they say nice things about you. Amen. I'm thankful for this opportunity, this privilege, this open door, to come and to be the messenger for tonight. Um, I'm certainly thankful. Um, and I'm to talk to you tonight about three words. Um, in the writings of the Apostle Paul in the second letter of record to the church at Corinth, entitled Second Corinthians, chapter nine. If you scroll down to the last verse, when you would have found it, I'm certainly delighted to have my wife with me I don't travel by myself much anymore. You understand? Um, and I'm glad to see my son's wife, my daughter-in-law is here tonight too, my pastor's wife. Amen. 
In that last verse of the ninth chapter of the book of 2 Corinthians, the following words are found in the King James Version. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And I'm to talk to you tonight from these three words, his unspeakable gift. Thank you. Before I forget it, is Brother Dallas Singleton here? Is you here tonight? Hmm? Where? I don't see him. Oh, please see me or let me see you before I go. We got some business I need to make sure have taken care of. Amen. Some traveling business. They are his unspeakable gift. The occasion as it is named tonight is the Thanksgiving worship. Embracing and preparing to embark upon what is designated on the calendar as Thanksgiving Day. Am I right there? And the, the feast that is considered commensurate for the Thanksgiving Day celebration has so monopolized the minds of many that when one hears the word or the term Thanksgiving, they immediately begin to think about turkey, dressing, Mustard, collard, tenor, greens, yams, and all that ghibli, grape, all of that. Chocolate, timmy cake, German chocolate cake, chocolate cake, potato pie, peach pie, peach cobbler, all the sections that. Am I right there? Thanksgiving. The feast has monopolized and has become so associated with the idea or the title or the name Thanksgiving that many miss the point of what Thanksgiving should be about. It is probably recommended that one would read this entire chapter 9 and even go back to the 8th chapter of this book of 2 Corinthians to determine and establish the context in which this last verse is written because um, if this were music this 15th verse would be a crescendo. You understand? If it was a philosophical presentation, 
it would be a departure from the original subject matter. Because in this ninth chapter, the focus and the scene or theme is about giving. It's about giving. It's about giving. There were two churches in particular that are mentioned in this eighth and ninth chapter, the church of Macedonia and the church at Corinth. In Greece, the church of Macedonia in the north and the church of Corinth in the south, Archaea. Archaea uh, being also included in that Corinthian church, although the people of Archaea did not live in Corinth. They belonged to the Corinthian church. And that southern church of Corinth uh, and the northern church of Macedonia were the ones that are being uh, addressed or considered in this writing of this particular chapter because Paul had bragged on the church of Achaia or Corinth, he had bragged on them to the church of Macedonia. And he had bragged on the church of Macedonia on the church of Corinth. Establishing not necessarily a competition or a rivalry, but pre 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 presenting to each church a sense of, shall we say, inspiration that one might inspire the other. And it so happens that the church of Corinth was the first and foremost to leap out in a committal, a verbal commitment of their willingness to give. And the giving was to be designated giving for the poor in Jerusalem. And both churches had agreed to, to respond to the appeal of the Apostle Paul to sin because the churches of Achaia, Corinth, and Macedonia were seemingly better off economically or there was a greater number of poor saints in Jerusalem than there were in the church of Macedonia and the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church said, oh, yes, we will do this. And the church of, uh, of Macedonia was inspired and said, oh, yes, we will do this. And the church of Macedonia got busy doing that. But the church of Corinth had more hallelujah than do you, hallelujah. <laughs> you understand? They, they were sort of slow about following through. And Paul had bragged, had boasted on the church of Corinth to Macedonia to such extent. You remember, you remember them, that wasn't anything new because in the 16th chapter, 1 Corinthians, Paul had to get on them about, get your money. Get your money, do it on a weekly basis so lines won't be so long when I get there, there'll be no gathering when I come. Well, they were still slow. They would give, but they were slow. And so 
And so Paul is about to make ready to go to uh, Corinth. And, and it just might be that some of the members of the Macedonian church would accompany Paul to Corinth. And so Paul sent Titus and a couple others. Now, some commentators say it's only one, and some say it was two. But when, when you first read over there, uh, he says Titus and one brother. But then he says those brothers. So, so there's, a little, there's, a little, there's a little space there for you to make a textual inferential that there may have been more than one with Titus. Whatever the case might be, it was a committee sent to the Corinthian church to give them a heads up. Paul coming, and there may be some visitors with him, and, and Paul don't want to be embarrassed when he come because he's been bragging on you all so much uh, to, the, to, the, to the Macedonians that when he comes, he... He doesn't want y'all to be still fumbling with getting your money together. You understand? Because not, not only would it be embarrassing to him, it would be embarrassing to them because Paul had put them up so high to make, them, make the Macedonian church think. Now, you want to be like the church of Corinth. And in that writing, he says to the church of Corinth, you have provoked others by your commitment by your verbiage by the words that come out of your mouth you have inspired others and they've gotten ahead of you in doing and we're getting ready to come over there so I'm going to send these brothers over there to let you know and give you a heads up get it get with it so when we come it won't look like I was not being truthful. But then he goes on, in addition to saying to them how they had provoked or encouraged or inspired others to give, and that's a wonderful thing when any church can inspire, provoke another church, as Lily Grove has provoked, inspired, Many other churches. Yes. Yes. I, go, I, be, it, I just so happened to have had the opportunity to be invited to a few places out of Houston, out of Texas. And when I go different places, many times people ask me, well, do you know Reverend Terry Anderson? I said, do I know him? I live in Houston, and you don't live in Houston and don't know Reverend Terry Anderson and Lily Grove Missionary Baptist Church. You must have just got here if you don't. You are an inspiration to others. And Paul, the massive ministry that is on this campus and beyond this campus I salute you and you because you are such an inspiration.
to other churches. And not only that, it is wonderful when one individual can inspire others. I would hold in my own uh, uh, resolution that I, I would hope that, that we all as Christians would inspire somebody. That, that somehow, somewhere, some way, we would serve as a catalyst to someone else to commit to the same God that we have committed to. And so, and so, and so, and so he says, you provoked others. And then he rehearses some things that may need to be refreshed in their minds about thanksgiving. And the way he approaches it, it, it brings to mind whether there is a difference between giving thanks and thanksgiving. Um, because, because many people uh, pass right by thanksgiving. And they equate it with what I've just said, the menu. Am I right there? Ah, uh, uh, but my brothers and sisters, tonight we want to bring up this idea of what Paul is, I believe, pressing as a claim in this chapter. And that is thanksgiving. Breaking it up. Because when we run it together, thanksgiving, it does not have the same effect as thanks giving. That, that our giving ought to be motivated from thanks. That, that thanks giving, well, let me say this. Thanksgiving is about feast. Thanksgiving is about watching the football game. Thanksgiving is about taking a nap after the meal. Am I right there? Uh, Thanksgiving is about going back for seconds after you've had a break. But tonight we're not going to talk about Thanksgiving. We're going to do that day after tomorrow. But, but this Thanksgiving does not have a designated day. It, it does not have a designated month. It is not just the fourth Thursday in November each year. Ah, Thanksgiving. Uh, Paul presses the claim. Paul presses the claim that we ought to give. And our giving ought to be based on how thankful we are to be able to give. But then not try to give more than you're able to give to impress somebody else. Um, because then 
you're sort of flirting with Phariseeism. Because Pharisees, you know the Pharisees. You know about the Pharisees. Uh, they, they, they love to give and then go around telling everybody. Uh, mm, this is what I gave. Uh, the Pharisees. That, that's not what it's about. What, what Paul is saying is, give what you can. And you know how much you can give. And when you give, give because you're thankful that you have something to give. And your thankfulness motivates and stimulates you to give. Because you recognize that God didn't have to give you anything. And anything that you do have, it came from him. Am I right there? Ah, and then when you give, don't give sp spontaneously. Uh, don't give and then later on think about it and say, I, I shouldn't have done that. What Paul presses here is that there ought to be a, a, an arousal of a spirit of cheer. There ought to be an arousal in your heart of a spirit of gladness so that, so that, so that you will give joyfully and not grudgingly. Uh, that you will give uh, according as you purpose in your heart. Uh, uh, not giving because you feel coerced. Not giving because you feel you're on the spot. Not giving because you feel like you, something's going to happen to you if you don't give. That, that's not the way the Lord wants us to give. One of the greatest things that keep people from giving as they ought to give is worry. They worry, wonder if I'm going to still have my job. I wonder if I'm going to have enough to retire. I wonder if I'm going to be able to pay all my bills. They just worry, worry, worry about tomorrow. And the Lord has told us to live one day at a time. And Paul labors to say to them, the Lord is able to supply and to, and, to, and to provide that you would have sufficiency in all things. Uh, I'm not rich, but I'm rich. Now, the reason why I say I'm, I'm not rich, but I'm rich is because I have a rich God. And uh, a rich person don't walk around with a pocket full of money all the time. Am I right there? Well, let me say, I don't think they do. That wouldn't be wise. But they have access. That's the key. That, that whenever it is needed, they have to go through a procedure to access it. And they're accessing their 
whatever they need is the same as my assessing whatever I need. You understand. And there are, and there are, because God is my God. I am rich in assesses because the earth is the Lord. The fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. And you know, Baptists got a song for everything. And there's a song that we sing, I'm a child of the king. You sing that song, don't you? Ain't no sense in singing if you don't believe it. I'm a child of the king. And Paul labors to say to the Corinthian church, listen, my brothers in, here in Corinth, let your giving be based on how thankful you are. So much so that you cannot give without it being in your mind and your heart that you're giving because you're thankful. So that, so that, so that, so that, what Paul is furthermore getting at is when you are blessed, you are blessed to be a blessing. That, that thanksgiving ought to be uh, what prompts you to help those who are poor, those who are less fortunate. You understand. What, 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 what benefit is it if I sat down to the Thanksgiving meal and have not given any thought to those who have no Thanksgiving meal. What, 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 what joy is there? What gladness is there for God? What glory is there for God? To me to sit down and eat till I can't eat no more and not even consider something that I can do for somebody who's less fortunate. How dare you? You understand? I don't mean to be mean. How can you in a consciousness that what you have God gave you and he didn't give somebody else what he's given you don't we realize that when God gives us, he gives us at a risk. And the risk is, can we be trusted to keep it going? Because we have, we have the ability to get all we can and can all we get and then set on the lid and poison the rest. When God blesses us, he blesses us at a risk. And we should be sure that we're aware of the risk. That we will give thanks for what he's given us. Paul, in this ninth chapter, even alludes to the psalm where he says he hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. And he argues, he presents a case to the Corinthians about thanksgiving. Out of, out of, out of a cheerful spirit, 
and 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 then and then one would say out of nowhere while he's talking about them giving for the poor and the relief of the poor he comes to this conclusive verse thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift he's been talking about the saints giving to the poor about sowing bountifully and reaping bountifully sowing sparingly and reaping sparingly he's been talking about God loves a cheerful giver. Let every man, as he prefers in his heart, so let him give. Uh, I've been bragging on you. You're a good church. You, you promised to do. Thanks be unto God. It's not a change of subject. It's only a spill of what Paul never got far away from. Whatever Paul talked about, Wherever you might catch him, on any day of the week, whatever he might be talking about, he may be talking about, I, I was beaten, I was put in a dungeon, I, I was rolled down hills, and I, was, I was shipwrecked, but Jesus, he never got away, never got a far away from this matter of what the Lord had done for him, which was the unspeakable gift. Unspeakable, un, unspeakable, what? Unspeakable gift. Uh, analytically, you might say that means you're not supposed to talk about it. That's not what it means. Unspeakable is better interpreted to mean indescribable. Undescribable. Either one of those prefixes you want to meet, use. Indescribable, undescribable. Both of them mean the same thing. You cannot satisfy. The, the vocabulary of the greatest minds have difficulty with their brain catching up with their vocal cords to express what this gift really means. Thanks be unto God. For he is indescribable, un, undescribable, indescribable gift. His gift, whatever we might give, is nothing in comparison to his gift. Uh, uh, he does not try to run a race or compare. Uh, with the Old Testament writers, uh, David, David says he's my shepherd. But Paul said, I ain't gonna mess with that. Uh, uh, Solomon said he's my rose of Sharon, my lily in the valley, my bright and morning star. Paul says, in essence, that ain't good enough. Jeremiah said, he's a horse pouring in the valley. Oh, so that ain't good enough for me. Uh, Ezekiel said, he's a wheel in the middle of a wheel. Paul said, that's not good enough for me because 
Something happened to me that didn't happen to them. Uh, Paul said, in essence, I deserve, I deserve to be a castaway. But something happened to me one day on a road to Damascus. Uh, something was revealed to me while I was in route to persecute the church. I didn't deserve it, but the Lord gave me a chance. Mm, I thought I was doing what I was supposed to do, but I was all wrong. And if it had not been for that experience on the road to Damascus, I don't know where I would be. Uh, he sent me down the straight street. And everybody needs a straight street in their life. Mm, it may not be called straight street, but you ought to be able to say, I'm on the right road now. to him and he spoke to the Lord the Lord directed him to go on down to the preacher's house uh -huh. the preacher will tell you what you ought to do and not just any preacher but the one called Ananias you know every, every believer ought to be where they are supposed to be yeah, I got a sneaking suspicion that God has a word for you from your preacher. Oh, yeah, Paul came to realize that he had been doing wrong. And when he got on the right road, nothing would turn him around. And his cry tonight is, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Yes, whatever Paul went through, he considered it nothing in comparison to what Jesus went through. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Yeah, he did not really say it here, but it's inferred in what he wrote. God's gift is unspeakable. Yeah, for he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon
upon him. Oh, yeah, it is an unspeakable rift. Oh, yeah, my Lord, he went through what he didn't have to go through just for you and for me. I have an idea of him in the Garden of Gethsemane when he cried, Father, Father, if it be possible, move this cup from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He went on to Calvary. Yeah, the unspeakable gift. And died, died. The sin to the whole world died, died till the sun stopped shining, died till the earth really rocked like a drunken man, died, died till the centurion said, Surely, surely, this must be. The Son of God, I'm talking about the unspeakable gift. They buried him in Joseph's tomb. He stayed in the tomb all night, Friday night. Stayed in the tomb all day, Saturday. Stayed in the tomb all night, Saturday night. But hey! From the dead with all power, all power, all, all power in his hand. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Ascended back into heaven, interceding for you and for me. And one of these days, one of these days. He's coming back. Do you want to be ready? Do you want to be ready when he comes? If you want to be ready when the unspeakable gift comes back, say yeah, say yeah, say yeah, yeah, yes. His unspeakable gift.